Thanks for tuning in to episode number 35. Uh, today we are in Luke chapter 8 as we walk through the 24 chapters of Luke. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to stop in, follow along with this podcast. Uh, if this is your first time, I welcome you. Uh, I do hope that the Lord speaks to your heart through what he would have to say um, and that uh, any any plans or agendas that I may have would be superseded by what the Lord wants to say according to his heart and desire and plan. So uh, let's jump into Luke chapter 8. It says, Soon afterwards he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, uh, Cusa, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their resources. Now, we know culturally um, in, in that time, women didn't have much of a role. Women didn't have much of permission. Um, but we see certain women here following along with Jesus in his ministry. And I'm sure there are, there were many uh, during this day who had quite an opinion about um, these who followed Jesus along. Uh, for all we know, there could have been some gossip of scandal floating around. Um, and there will always be those naysayers and those people who want to stir up dissension and um, di kind of disunity. Um, so we don't let those individuals uh, derail us from God's mission. Uh, from what he wants to desire and desires to do among the people. So we just press on and uh, be faithful to his calling and to his leadership. In uh, verse 4, it says, When a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on. And the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Then his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to others I speak in parables, 
so that looking they may not perceive and listening they may not understand. Now, I think there, this particular Bible that I'm reading out of is the New Revised Standard. Um, I think there's a, sometimes there's great um, ways that it, it translates things. I'm by no means a, a Greek or Hebrew scholar. Um, but what we just read there, uh, it says, he called out, let anyone with ears to hear listen. And then uh, on down in verse 9, it says, looking that they may not perceive and listening that they may not understand. So we see the same word there, listen and listening. Um, I think that's really uh, not a great rendering of those words because they're really describing two separate realities. Jesus is saying, let anyone with ears to hear. So this is a person with ears that are ready to hear, to really soak in what God is trying to say below the surface. So that's what he's really provoking there. Those with ears that can process what they're hearing, hear what God is saying. But then we see that word here used again, but in a different light, in a different perspective. And it says, looking that they may not perceive and listening that they may not understand. So it's really kind of framing two separate realities. That second phase is is describing people who the words are coming to them, but they're not, they're not understanding them. So um, this is really by no means anything of supreme value, although to say that um, as you read different translations, you'll find that the translators um, will capture certain qualities better than some or others. So I would encourage you in that reality, um, there, you need to have an appreciation for a host of different translations and not just kind of pigeonhole yourself into just one translation. Um, if, if I didn't know any better, I might not really grasp the difference in what, how that word is rendered there in both of those examples. Um, but because I have exposure to many different ones, I, I, I have an intimacy of knowing the, some of the different ways that it's used as they translate it. So that's really just a kind of a, uh, a tip to appreciate the manifold wisdom of God that uh, the different translators are able to produce for our reading comprehension. So I'll leave it there. Uh, verse 11, it says, Now the parable is this. So Jesus is about to reveal to them um, what the meaning of the parable of the sower is. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones on the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So he said the seed is the word of God. 
and the ones that are on the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe only for a while and in a time of testing fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. In verse 14, we go on. It says, As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So here we have uh, those who receive the word. They grow, but the thorns and the the kind of the weeds of life, if you will, choke out the plant, and so their fruit doesn't come to full maturity. And so, if you if you pay attention to what Jesus looks for, as he revealed to us during his ministry, he is very interested in fruit. He's very interested in in a harvestable product. And so these who don't let their fruit mature because they get choked out by the cares of this world and by the, the cares of this life, it is it is a supreme waste and a... Um, it's very unfortunate that the fruit does not come to maturity. But as for those in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. No one, after lighting a lamp, hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed but puts it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to light. Then pay attention to how you listen. For to those who have, more will be given. Pay attention to how you listen. For to those who have, more will be given. Pay attention to how you listen. So this is really a calling out to, to hear and to listen. And the more that we do those things, the more that he will reveal. And from those who do not have hearing and listening, even what they seem to have will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it.
One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out. And while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed, and said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? That tells us that they really fully did not grasp exactly who he was, who they were dealing with. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now, there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. That's Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home. And declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Just then, there came a man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, who was dying. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him. 
Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. Notice this woman had been suffering for 12 years. And the girl, the daughter, who was dying was 12 years old. So one was 12 and one had been suffering for 12 years. I think that's uh, significant. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed the power had gone out from me. I wonder what that felt like for, for Jesus. What it felt like for power to leave him. Verse 47, when the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any longer. When Jesus heard this, he replied, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, James, the child's father and mother. They were all weeping and wailing for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he ordered them to tell no one what had happened. You know, I, th I think on why it would be that Jesus uh, would ask them not to tell. I actually asked our kids this when we read it this evening. Um, one of them said they had no idea. <laughs> Another gave their their uh, suggestion. Um, and it had something to do with the fact that uh, people would just continually ask him. And, and I think that is, there is a reality to that. Um, I think that Jesus had much he wanted to accomplish. And the more that this news got out. We read in other places where Jesus couldn't even come into a town, but he had to stay on in the outskirts or lonely places. So he had quite a mission to accomplish. He had things that God revealed to him to do. And so I think part of that, at least, is that if word spread to such a degree that it would make it hard for him to accomplish the work that he was set out to do. Um, I want to talk for just a second about this this demoniac or this demon-possessed man in the Gerasenes. You also, in other uh, Gospels, will say the region of the Gadarenes. Um, and this is all really, it's a sim it's the same place. It's, it's using different, uh, locations or or geographical spots to describe the same place. It's if you said a, a place based on 
the county that you lived in or the city that it was located um, or next to a certain uh, location. These are all the same thing. You're just describing it in a different way. So that's why you'll see some differences in uh, the Gerasenes, the Gadarenes, um, the, I think, Decapolis or the Ten Cities. Uh, so these are some of the variations that you'll see in, I think it's Matthew 8, Mark 5. Um, but we see this demoniac and Jesus arrives at this place and the, and as he comes out, this possessed man of the city who had demons that were um, that were residing in him, he had been in this way for quite some time, and he wore no clothes, and he didn't live in the house, but he left, lived in tomb. And this is, I believe, this to be a physical reality. Of a spiritual truth. I think that the enemy wants to drive us to places of isolation, wants to drive us to live in this place, abide in this place of dead memories. And if, if he can get us to stay in that place, then he really keeps us in this place of dysfunction you know, this man was not intended to be uh, in this isolated place. He was meant to be a part of a community. But because of his dysfunction, he was driven out. And you read in other accounts that um, they tried to keep him bound and controlled, but they could not. Now... Um, we fast forward through that story and Jesus finds out that this man who identifies himself as Legion, uh, when he asks the name, they begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss or some translations just say to go into the abyss. Um, I've read this and wondered is are we missing an opportunity in how we interact in deliverance? Um, we know that there was a third of the angels that fell, so that would suggest to us that there is a finite number of demons that are allegiant to, loyal to uh, Satan, and. These demons were very adamant that they did not want to be sent to the abyss. And so they begged Jesus to not send them. Well, because we as Christians carry the authority of Christ, and we see this throughout the New Testament, but part of the commission of Christians is to free the oppressed, to cast out evil or unclean spirits. Now, um, this is this is territory that um, that I don't have experience personally. So, 
my uh, perspective carries only a uh, very minuscule um, weight, I guess we could say. But as I think on this text and the scripture, and as I do believe that as Christians, that's part of our commission. And, and when, when I'm given the opportunity, uh, Lord willing, to, to make a difference in this arena, um, I look forward to it uh, and pray the Lord's boldness and, uh, and confidence in the situations. But um, are we missing out on directing these spirits to the abyss? When, when a spirit gets cast out or un, unclean spirit gets sent out of a person, the scriptures tell us that it, 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 it wanders through arid or dry places looking for a place to rest. But finding none, it tries to return back to its previous home, its previous um, haunt, and, and it will, if it finds that place, uh, bring seven times the destruction upon that person they had previously. So when a, cat, when a spirit is cast out, rather than letting it go to, to find some other haunt, should we or could we direct it to be sent to the abyss? In a way, what we're doing if there, if there is truth in this, is um, decreasing the number of um, agents for the kingdom of darkness. So just an interesting thought that I've pondered on in this particular section of Scripture. Just wanted to throw that out there and give you something to think about. Um, and then lastly, I do want to mention here in this particular section is when the people after they see what's happened the 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 pigs have been have rushed off the bank and they've drowned um the man who was once possessed and out of his mind is actually now dressed and seated at jesus's feet and they don't know what to make of this and in reality they are so fearful and they are so used to this man's dysfunction that they actually just asked Jesus to leave. Um, and they allow themselves to miss out on what God wanted to do in that place. However, it is the love of Christ that sent that man who was once possessed to go back to his home and declare to all the people what God has done for him. So even though they, they ran Jesus out of town, it was the love of God that sent that man back to them even because of that, uh, even, even with their lack of respect uh, and care, concern for, for Jesus. Now, the last thing I want to say before we kind of close this out is um, there is, I cannot stress this enough, and I, I think in my very first episode, um, What Can Faith Accomplish?, uh, I talk about this a bit, so if you haven't heard that one, I do encourage you to go check it out. Um, but in in verse forty eight, 
he says to this woman who touches him, your faith, daughter, has made you well or made you whole. Go in peace. And then in verse 50, talking about the the leader's daughter who died, Jesus says to him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. The, the movement that we had seen in previous years about faith, especially in regards to healing, um, it has, it's really had, um, it's very, it's very much struggled. And be, because there were aspects of it that, you know, were stretched thin or possibly just completely went off, went off the rails as far as biblical, uh, ground to stand on, um, there is something to be learned from this reality of faith and what it can accomplish. There is a thread woven throughout all of Scripture that reveals to us the effectiveness of faith and having faith and believing that whatever we believe or have faith for is possible. And so I would just encourage us to um, really contend for the faith contend for faith that God will will move and transform places and people and lives and situations and do not be afraid to ask and to keep asking uh, because Jesus gives us that direction uh, in in his gospel so um, I do I just want to encourage you with that I pray that this um, encourages you um, enlightens you uh, builds you up causes you to dig in and look for uh, some things yourself. Uh, so I thank you for taking the time, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million